Hey, everybody. I'm Jen Garrett, internationally recognized branding consultant and best-selling author of the books, Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. By having a relentless mentality, I've pushed boundaries and gotten into rooms with pro athletes and power players, built a successful business, and moved the ball in male-dominated industries. Now, I'm using my same of the ball methodology to help thousands of people dominate their game when it comes to their brands and creating opportunities. This podcast is all about uncovering strategies of the world's best athletes and business leaders to help you get to that next level. Join me in conversations that will elevate your hustle and get you across the goal line. It's time to suit up, to show up, and to move the ball. Hey, thanks for joining me today. This is the podcast where we are focusing on making things happen and getting to that next level. Now, if you haven't already done so, be sure that you follow the podcast so that you never miss an episode and be sure to share the show with some friends, coworkers, or family. Really, anyone who you think could use some help on moving the ball and dominating their game. On today's episode, I've got a real treat for you. You probably already know that I was in Indy for the NFL Combine. One of the reasons I always enjoy Combine Week is because I get to see and catch up with so many people in the football industry that I might not have seen in a while. And it's also a great time to meet new people, to network, to make some cool connections and some new friends. One of those people I got to meet while I was there was former NFL linebacker Sean Barber, who thrived in the NFL and he had a lengthy NFL career. We recently sat down and recorded this episode, and I absolutely loved our conversation. Pay attention here as we not only talk about his football journey, but also the importance of being a servant leader, why you need to focus on the bigger picture, how to differentiate yourself and be successful in your career, and more. You ready? Let's go. Sean, it's great to have you on the show and inside the huddle with us. I saw you in Indy during the NFL Combine. We were in the NFL Legends Suite inside Lucas Oil, watching the on-the-field workouts, as well as enjoying some good food, some great conversations, and some awesome company. And so I'm looking forward to us continuing our chat today. Are you ready to move the ball? Man, always ready to move the ball. Let's go first down, first down, and hopefully we'll score a touchdown on move the ball. I like that. And one of the reasons why I was smiling as you said that is in my first book, Move the Ball, there's a chapter that talks about getting the next first down. So it's all about getting the next first down, keep on getting those first downs, and then hopefully you score. So as a podcast host, I'm always thinking about where do I want to start off the conversation to set the tone? And there's so many places that I could kick us off, but I wanted to, instead of starting off with football, which would be the obvious choice, I wanted to go in a different direction and we'll talk about ball after. So one of the things that you and I have in common is that we are both podcast hosts and your focus is a little bit different than mine, focus more on Kansas City sports, but tell us about your journey into podcasting. How long have you been doing it? Why did you want to do it? That kind of thing. Man, so my journey into podcasting, it probably began about almost 10 years ago. So around 2012, after I finished playing, I did some scouting, some coaching internships. I had a local guy approach me and said, hey, Sean, I'm going to start doing some material with Arrowhead Pride. It's a sister partner of one of the Barstool Sports kind of local outlets. If I start doing something like that, would you come over to my house and let's break down some all 22 film? Let me know what you see through your eyes when we talk about player development. We talk about mistakes being made on the field. 
obviously talk about alignment, assignment, different things that as a former linebacker, I think that my eyes, I watch the game differently, not a better way, but I watch a football game a little differently than the normal fan. His name was Pete Sweeney. He's the, the director and the founder, I think, of Arrowhead Pride, which is a, a whole nother layer of things that we do here in Kansas City. But I had the chance to meet with him. We met for about two years and just broke down film and, and started to do a, a Thursday podcast and radio show. At the time, it was called Intercom Radio, but now it's been bought out by Odyssey Radio. That led to us doing a, a weekly segment, live segment on the radio, and we kept continuously bringing on more uh, segments. I started my own radio show with Bainon Hughes called Players Only, and that's still continuing to today. But as we podcasted more and more, I had a chance to then join the Chiefs 65 Toss Power Trap Network, and we started a podcast a few seasons ago called Defending the Kingdom. And it showed some parallels between spiritually, faithfully walking family football and faith are the things I speak about most when I speak out in public. But are those three aspects of football and how are those things parallel to what's going on in my life and in any any former player's life? And that's called Defending the Kingdom. And I was co-hosting with Mitch Holtis, who is the, the analyst, the host of all the Chiefs Network, the Chiefs games here in Kansas City. We did that for about four seasons, and now it's kind of just continues to grow and grow, doing some more radio stuff. And now I've partnered with BJ Kissel, who's a former Chiefs employee who stepped out on his own, and he's with a network called KCSN, Kansas City Sports Network. And that network has all arms, anything that has to do with sports, from the Chiefs to the Royals to Sporting KC to the KC Current. Then also the college arms, Kansas, Kansas State, and Missouri. So all of those arms are outlets, and we have so much content that's being uploaded every day. I'm going to be one of the contributors on the Kansas City Chiefs side of that when it comes to draft prep, preseason, game evaluation, player evaluation. I mean, for the whole season, you're going to get so much content from me all season long, and I'm really excited to be a part of that Kansas City Sports Network. And you bring up that you bring a different perspective being a linebacker. Your viewpoint is different than just a fan watching the game. And I think that's important. That's how you really show yourself in another way to grow your audience is by bringing differentiated value to your audience is not just saying the same thing that everybody else is saying. And so it's one way that you are able to move the ball and really help to educate, to motivate to inspire with faith family football it's really about what perspectives are you bringing forward as a podcast host as a content provider that's different than everything else that's out there when i look at a play i look at the alignment assignment i'm looking at the personnel the offense comes in with and how the defense needs to react to that how are they addressing and also acknowledging who's on the field and the game situation all of those things come up every play of every game when you're thinking about how does a linebacker process play in and play out what's going on on the field and how that can either be to your benefit or your demise on the field is so important. And then how the guys get aligned, their assignment, how they execute. There are so many different levels. And you talk about that times 11, all 11 players got to be on the same page. They have to trust one another. They have to communicate. And then that's when a, a successful play has the opportunity to happen. So all these different factors, it, like you said, it's, it's a pretty unique way of how I look at football. And I try to explain to the listeners how they can kind of incorporate that and how they go 
and watch the game. It's a whole nother level of, of football. But I think once you understand it, it brings a little bit more enjoyment to the chess game that a lot of guys think is what we call the NFL. And you've been podcasting for quite a while now. When you look back on this journey, what have you learned about yourself? And what have you found the most rewarding or most enjoyable about being a podcast host? Well, the one thing I do like about podcasting versus being on air, when you're on air, the feedback from the audience is so right now. We have a text line. We have call-ins. I mean, you have people calling in all throughout the show. And then you have immediate feedback from the text line about every words you say or how you say it. Well, on the podcast, you get to your 30-minute, 45 or hour-long podcast, you get to just unleash all the information, download all your information, all your ideas, and you get to complete the picture. You get to complete what you're trying to display and what you're trying to pass on to the listeners or whoever's watching. And then you get a reaction from when that is uploaded to your platform of how the complete picture is, is showcased versus like I said, the the almost real time when it comes to live streaming or when it comes to doing radio, the point you're trying to get across at the beginning of the show, sometimes you have to adjust it based off of the current feedback. Whereas when you podcast, I think it's, you can truly be, if you want to say it, a Picasso. You can really be a true artist and, and really paint the picture you want to paint, get to the end of the story before you have to go back and think about what it looks like at the beginning. Yeah, I like that. I've never heard anyone describe it that way before, but I think that's a very important point is when you're doing a live stream or on live television, people can comment in and they're interrupting your thought process because they're so reactionary to, oh, I need to comment on what you said right now versus listening to the full thing. So I think that's a great point. So do you have any tips for anyone that's thinking about podcasting or that is a podcast host? What are some of the things that they can do to kind of take their game to the next level? Man, I would say content, content, content. Find a way, find some avenue of getting your content recorded and then play it to those who have their own platform. I think when Arrowhead Pride reached out to me, they reached out to me with the assumption that because I was an ex-player, I did not have the time or they couldn't afford my skills or my talents. And to me, it was a win-win situation. I didn't need the money. I didn't need the financial compensation. I just needed some way to get on air and started to record and hear myself start talking about player development, player skills, and how those things are translated on and off the field. Uh, whether it was talking about the salary cap, pre and post season moves the teams were making, getting ready for the combine and drill. And then also talking about my own testimony about my days of playing and how that would come across when you're talking about recording it or hearing it live. So I would say if podcasting is something you want to do, just Find some outlet and donate your time, donate your effort, get talking about things you feel passionate about, and always, 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 always be resourceful and do your research. Don't just state a bunch of opinions like they're facts. Do the studying, make sure you, you have the, the wherewithal and the ability to actually support your statements with facts. Hey, man, go out there and enjoy it, man. Go out there and shoot for the moon, you land upon the stars. Well, I like that you bring up some great points. I mean, one, it is all about the content. And so it's about putting quality content out on things that you're passionate about, because then you'll want to produce content if it's things that excites you. Because to be a successful podcast, it's all about consistency. It's not just, oh, let me record and throw something up here and there. It's about putting out that content that people find to be value added, but on a consistent basis. So your followers or your listeners know when they can expect to see new content 
from you. The other thing that you mentioned that I think is important too is doing your research and putting out facts and not just opinions as facts because when you're holding yourself out as a podcast host, this is part of your brand. And so you want to position yourself as an expert in whatever segment it is you're looking to do your show on. And so if you come out there and you just spew opinions and they're unfounded, well, then that's going to tarnish your credibility. And so over time, people aren't going to pay attention to what you have to say because you're not taking the time to research and put out accurate information. Exactly. And then it's always going to be a flavor or there's going to be some type of appeal for shock jocks and, and people just throws stuff against the wall and see if it sticks. The things that last the longest and the things that you, like you're saying, it's part of your brand, it's part of who you are. If you want to come out here and really be serious in this podcast world, it takes some transparency, it takes some accountability, it takes some responsibility. Those things, you got to be available, you got to be accountable. Like you say, you got to be consistent so that the listeners can know when to expect your podcast to be uploaded and the length and duration of it, the content of it. All those things are part of your brand, but you got to be really passionate about it and be consistent with it. And obviously it's, it all kind of boils down to purpose. If podcasting is something that you feel like is your purpose, something you was meant to do, then just go do it. You'll enjoy it. You'll enjoy the journey and don't worry about the destination. I like it. So let's switch away from podcasts and run things way back and start with your football career. So you're from Richmond, Virginia. You didn't play football until like your junior year of high school. What happened that made you say, you know what? I think I'm going to give this football thing a try. So I always considered myself a friendly guy. Like I, I had a good group of friends. I enjoyed being around. We played basketball together. We played baseball. We played pickup football. We played things in the neighborhood. But when we got to high school, you know, you had to go try out for a team. And no one likes getting cut from a team. But you had to try out. And so sometimes I was nervous about certain teams trying out for because Hey, I didn't know if I was going to make it or not, whether well, that was good enough. So I played basketball every year that I can remember. But football was something that it just wasn't something I was really passionate about. I was a baseball and basketball guy. I actually did gymnastics in middle school. And those are the sports that I kind of was more attracted to. Uh, until my junior year in high school, it was after the first week of school, I get off the bus and I'm calling my friends to go hang out. And everybody's at football practice. So I go walk down to the football field. And I see that everybody's out there at practice and I'm, I'm out there watching my friends practice. And one of the coaches saw me sitting in the stands and he asked one of my friends about me. And he was like, oh, that's Barber. You know, he's a really good basketball player, but coach, he, he never played football. He said, well, if he's a good athlete, he should probably join the team. And they came and talked to me for a while. And he said, would you join the football team? And I was like, well, coach, if I try out, I probably ain't going to make it. And he was like, we got enough spots on football. You know, we got to try out. Anybody that tries out is going to make it. So I was like, hey, anything to be around my friends, I'll go hang out. I said, but coach, I'm not really into the whole contact thing. Just you know, what position would I be able to play? And he's like, the furthest position from the ball is safety. You line up 20 yards deep, right when the ball is hiked, you just start backpedaling. Don't let anybody get behind you and wait for the ball to be overthrown. And then you just go high point it. Go find the ball in the air and go high point it. And so I did that. I did exactly what he said my junior year. I started off when week one as the third string safety. The two guys in front of me got hurt in week one and week two. So by week three of the season, I was starting at safety, never played it before. But I understand some of the just the overlapping concepts of how to stay deep as the deepest. And then in man coverage, obviously, the goal is to keep your man from catching the ball, things like that. I ended up that junior year with six interceptions, which led the district in interceptions. And then coming into my senior year, I was voted as preseason 
all district on defense. I had the opportunity to start playing a little bit of wide receiver in the summer. So going into my senior year of high school, I played both ways. I played wide receiver and I played safety. And I ended up being all district both ways. I averaged 27 yards a catch on offense. Again, led the district in interceptions and had a great senior year that led to me getting a scholarship at the University of Richmond. Nice. And so as you transitioned into college football, you ended up switching positions from safety to linebacker, very different positions, different skill sets. How did that transition come to be and how was it like for you? Well, the amazing part was I was actually recruited by Richmond as a wide receiver. So my freshman year, I'm a wide receiver, but I'm basically sixth or seventh on the depth chart. So I redshirted my first year. I traveled with the team. My high school history, I played a little defensive back so I could play multiple positions, but I didn't play my freshman year. So coming into my second year, our entire secondary graduated. And so there was openings to go play right now in the secondary. So I could be the fourth wide receiver or I could start at cornerback. So I decided to move positions, started at cornerback my sophomore year, my second year in school, played cornerback. I started to run lift. My body started to develop. I, I became a little bit bigger and stronger, but I kept my speed and they decided to move me to safety. So my third year in school, I played safety. But what I noticed from safety is play action pass got me all the time. I was always a sucker for a run fake. And I would always end up kind of close to the line of scrimmage and the ball was being thrown over top of me. So the head coach and defensive coordinator came to me and said, Sean, we want to do something. We know you've never played linebacker. We want to move you to outside linebacker. I was a little bit lurry of it, a little bit, hey, this is new to me and I'm, I'm just comfortable playing safety and defense. But I said, hey, let's do it, man. Whatever, whatever it takes for the team, I'm a team player. So my going into my fourth season, I, I moved into the linebacker position. I played the will linebacker position, which is basically a glorified strong safety, depending on how your defense is designed. And I made a bunch of plays. I was a playmaker all over the field. I really just bought all in on the move. And it, it turned out to be a great season for me. I had some friends of mine. They were a class above me. When the scouts came to the school and was time to run 40 times and broad jumps and vertical jumps and everything for the pro dates, I actually got to work out with those guys and get my name kind of in the database as far as a rising fifth-year senior who might be draft eligible. And then going into my last year, I was the captain of the defense. I was all-conference in the Atlantic 10 as a linebacker, defensive player of the year, and then I got drafted by the Washington Commanders which were formerly the Washington Redskins back in back in my day. But the Washington Commanders took me in the fourth round. I think I was the 113th pick of the 1998 draft. Yes. And so we'll talk about that in a second. But before we get to the draft, so what are you learning about yourself as you're going through this college journey? You're switching positions. You're learning new plays. Things are working well for you as a linebacker. What are you discovering about yourself throughout this process? Well, I'm, I'm learning a lot more about football in general because actually coming from the wide receiver position, I had a pretty good concept of the route tree. And I knew what passing games were doing to attack the defense. There's some concepts that the linebacker position is is kind of being targeted, where they run a route in front of you and then run a route behind you. They wait for you to bite up on the one in front of you and then they throw it behind you. So I, I kind of use an offensive concepts to my benefit. So I would wait until a curl route would hook up in front of me. Then I would shuffle my feet like I'm about to break up on it. And then I would just melt back underneath the hook route or the crossing route to try to pick the ball off. And I made a lot of plays in college, kind of baiting the other team's 
quarterback into making those throws into my area, thinking he knew what I was doing when really I knew what he was looking at. So it's kind of a little bait and switch going back, a little cat and mouse game going on. And I think I just took that same concept, that same rationale, and multiplied that in the running game, run fits. Almost every area of football, there's something the offense is is trying to do to get you out of your technique, trying to beat you. and, And they know what you've been taught as a linebacker, whatever position you're playing. They know what you've been taught fundamentally. And they're doing things from an offensive set to try to get you to break down your fundamentals so that they can take advantage of you. So that game, that, that back and forth was something that definitely just, I became obsessed with it. I became obsessed with this, the coaching philosophy on all the different ways the position is being played. And I guess if you ask my coaches, they would say, at that point, I became a student of the game. And the philosophies and the whys of why we were doing things became almost obsessed with the why and not really worried as much as about what we were doing. I was so, so kind of searching for the why so I could connect the dots. And I think that that made me even more impactful player overall through my college years. You talked about earlier on the podcast, being able to show the full picture of whatever message it is you're looking to do. When it comes to football and being a student of the game, it's understanding the why, the full picture, not just about what your role is, but how all the pieces fit together. And those that know how to do that are the ones that excel and then ultimately get opportunities to play professionally and have great careers in the league. So you mentioned earlier that you were drafted fourth round, 113th overall by the then Washington Redskins, now Commanders. What was that like for you to get the phone call, know that you were going to be drafted? Wow, it's a rush of all these type of different emotions. Didn't really understand at the time. When you come out of college, you've been with the same guys for pretty much four years. The guys you're going to college with, you know, 80 or 90% of them, you graduate together. You're around the same core of guys and you go out and prepare all summer and you play 10, 12 weeks throughout the college season. And then in the off season, y'all hang out together and stuff and go to class together. Professional football is so unlike that. Now football is your career. And you spend from 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. studying plays, studying everything you have to do. The playbook is multiplied by 10. In college, I think we had about maybe eight or nine different coverages, eight or nine different fronts and stunts and stuff. And the pros, it seemed like it was 30 different combinations of fronts and stunts and all the different things you could do up front for the rushing game to stop the run. And then again, with the passing, 12 to 15 different coverages, the zones, the mans, then you, you melt them together and have half man, half zone. All those things are just multiplied so much. You had to spend so much extra time just studying your place so you knew your alignment assignment, that just became priority number one. And so you had to learn really quickly to take it and the business side of it. My draft experience, though, I was able to get with Sports Stars. Sports Stars is a sports agency. I was recruited by them right out of college, right out of the University of Richmond. My agents at the time through my entire football career was Brian Macklin and Alan Herman. They founded the organization Sports Stars is out of New York, and they had a great calendar schedule of how to get me from my last day at the University of Richmond to my pro day, to my combine, to the draft. And we followed that calendar almost to the T. And when it was time to get drafted, I was in New York. I traveled up there. I stayed for day one, saw the guys that were being drafted in front of me created like a list of different names of all the guys that got drafted in front of me. 
And those are the guys I just wanted to outperform. I wanted to play longer than any guy who was drafted in front of me. That was kind of the chip I held on my shoulder, being from a small school, small college. I think I was as good as those guys on the field. But the thing that was holding me back as far as my draft status was the level of competition, which I just thought was crazy. That has nothing to do with me coming to the NFL or how good I'm going to be in the NFL. The fact that I played in the Atlantic 10, which was a 1AA school, it made some teams shy off from me until the fourth round. But I knew when I had the opportunity to be on that level playing field on the NFL field, I was going to be able to shine and be able to show my, my talents and ability. So, again, I got a call from who was the head coach? North Turner. Coach North Turner was the head coach. And he called me and told me you know, at the beginning of the fourth round if I was available by the pick from the Redskins, if nobody jumped in front of them. They were a little bit concerned that Minnesota had some interest in me and the Minnesota Vikings were going to jump in front of them. But once Minnesota didn't draft a linebacker, and it was time for the Redskins to make a pick, my name was called, and the rest is a 10-year NFL history. Well, you certainly played longer than the NFL average, so you were definitely doing something right. And you mentioned you know, the fact that you came from a small school and a conference that wasn't one of the Power Five conferences, but everybody's got their path into the league. I mean, you might not get that if you're drafted a lower round, that first initial contract might not be as high dollar, but you've seen people that are, have been drafted first, second, third round, and they're out a couple of years in the league because they're not doing the right things to ensure their longevity as a professional athlete for their job. And so you can get drafted a lower round, you can get be an undrafted free agent, come in and have a very lengthy and productive career as well. Oh yeah, I coached Jim Reed. He coached a number of years at UMass. He coached at UVA, coached at BC. He had a small stint with the Miami Dolphins. And I think he's doing something now with Marine Maritime as a university that is training Marines, I think. He did a great job of just instilling in me like courage, hard work pays off, the passion you need to have, the trust you have to have for your teammates, accountability. All, all the things that makes a good football player a great football player is almost nothing that has to do with your physicality or your ability. It's all mental. It's, it's how much do you care about the other guys around you? As far as are you learning your position so that you can help that D lineman or your other linebackers or the safety behind you? You got to understand what everybody around you does in order to play your position to the top level. And so learning that position 360 degrees, uh, what everybody is supposed to do, and not just trying to be like, oh, well, I know what I'm supposed to do. Everybody's worried about themselves. And that's a selfish mentality to have. And it spills over into the weight room. It spills over into the lunchroom. It spills over into how you, you get your proper rest and recovery. I mean, all the things that matter to being a professional athlete are so many other things besides can you tackle, can you run, can you catch the ball. Those things, you know, they're going to show their, their face at some point during your career. But people say 90% mental and 10% physical. I think the NFL, it is very much a mind game of how can you really focus all of your intentions? How can you eliminate distractions? How do you get the most out of what God-given talents you have, develop those talents, but then there's a recipe for success where you got to add all those things together and still be dedicated, still be educated, still be fundamentally sound and know your job to a level to be able to execute and then you have to still have the respect of the guys around you. So I think I take more personal pride in being a great teammate than a great player. 
coaches and other players, other teams will say, man, you was a great player. We played against you at linebacker. You had a great career. But I think that the friendships that I had to stem from me being a great teammate on and off the field to these different guys is something I take more pride than what I did on the field. And I think that's important about being a great teammate. It's not just about being a contributor, but also how are you collectively serving the team? And that's not just on the field, like you mentioned, it's off the field for those that are in a corporate setting. Same thing goes understanding the bigger picture, not just about what it is that you need to be focused on. I mean, I was in multiple Fortune 50 companies and some of my listeners know this. And I mean, I was in senior leadership in a Fortune 50 company in my 20s. My peers were in their 40s and 50s. And the reason I was able to excel so quickly was because I brought one, a differentiated perspective. And so you're bringing added value. But two, I always looked at the bigger picture. And so you have people working in their stovepipes and silos, and they're not thinking about how their piece ties into the rest of the organization. But I was always focused above that, a couple layers up, looking at how does everyone play together and making sure if there were issues or things that needed to be communicated, you were focused on the bigger picture versus just what you brought to the table. And so whether it's football or business or whatever, like that is so important, focusing on the team and not just you. Yeah, we, you know, that cog mentality, we all are cog in the bigger machine that we're a part of. I'm a good buddy of mine is Brian Dawkins, Hall of Fame, safety for the Eagles. And he was saying something the other day, talking about the importance of understanding what team really means. It's not just being a part of an organization, but together, everyone achieves more. T-E-A-M, together, everyone achieves more. And that's the philosophy that when you buy into that team mentality, if that becomes something that you really buy into and you make it part of your spirit, part of your soul, part of your personality, and you're talking team every day to these individuals and they know that that's what you're about, then when you miss a tackle or you misdiagnose a play and go the wrong way, your teammates have nothing to say to you. They know that mistakes happen on the field. None of us are perfect players, but your preparation and everything you did to prepare yourself for that moment is something that was at an all-time high. And so what we realize is that team mentality, together everyone achieves more. If that's the philosophy you have going in your everyday ritual or practice, then you can get the respect of those Pro Bowl, Hall of Fame coaches and players and teammates you have. And that's the kind of, confidence and the the emotional igniters you need to really solidify a a career. I love that. So what I want to do now is we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we'll do the two-minute drill. And we're also going to get into what are you doing now in your post-football career. We'll be right back. Hey, have you moved the ball in your own life today? If you're working toward your dream job, a new personal record, or a bigger salary, you need a plan to consistently make progress. That's why I wrote Move the Ball and Dominate the Game. These books are packed with strategy and easy to implement tips on gaining clarity of your goals, developing your own personalized playbook for success, pushing your boundaries of comfortability, and really elevating and dominating. Go to www.dominateandmove.com and enter code DOMINATE2023 for a 20% discount on the bundle. And all books are signed copies as well. Now, let's get back to the show. All right, Sean, we are back. And so what I want to do is ask you some fun questions as part of my two-minute drill. Are you ready? Always ready. I stay ready so I don't got to get ready. That's right. I got my whistle here in case I got to blow it. There you go. I like it. All right. First question is, what three words would you use to describe yourself? Faith, family, football. 
Love it. Second question is, what is one thing most people don't know about you? After this show, they're going to know I was a gymnast in middle school. Would you rather be the world champion of your sport or the CEO of a billion-dollar company, and why? Oh, the world champion of my sport. Again, I value teamwork so much. That's such a high priority on my personal level of, of satisfaction and motivation. I'm a team guy. And so that, that would be one of my biggest motivators and something I think that from a legacy standpoint, I just believe that domino effect, reach one, teach one. Those are the things that, that really matter. And I think as far as my priorities and my perspective mean a lot to me. What book are you currently reading or what podcast are you currently listening to? I got it right here. The Last Arrow is the book I'm currently reading. If you, if you can see the back of my desk. Family, faith, and football. I'm trying to feed my my spirit on all three different arms and everything. And what podcasts? Obviously, my own podcast, Defending the Kingdom, kind of mixes all those things together. Myself and Mitch Holtz do a great job during the season, kind of encapsulating what the Chiefs are doing. But then also the podcast that I'm currently getting content to is Kansas City Sports Network, myself and BJ Kissel. Love it. Next question is, if you could have any song played at any of your public appearances, what would that one song be? Oh, Eminem, Lose Yourself. In the music, the moment. You only got one shot. Don't lose your chance to blow. Yeah. I love that Eminem, man. You've listened to that song a few times, huh? If, and it's not that. It's got to be Phil Collins, Air of the Night, that joint. What would your next career move be if you were guaranteed to succeed? Well, right now, I'm a vice president of business development for the McGinnis Group. I think if I wasn't doing this, my next move is probably I would go full-time into ministry. I would go to Divinity School and go in full-time ministry. I believe that the Lord has given me a, a purpose and a passion to be able to reach young people in a spiritual way. I have the opportunity and the ability to kind of let some of those talents grow and just really reach our, our youth. So. I think that ministry is, it plays a part in so many different roles and so many different career paths. So even if I'm not a, a pastor at a local church, maybe a youth football coach, but in a way where I'm talking about developing personalities and character versus developing football players. I like it. Next question is, you have 24 hours and a private plane that will take you anywhere. Where are you going? My daughter has always wanted to go Wherever there's beaches and warm land, so I would take my daughter on a trip to Maui or to Hawaii. I would take my sons to someplace in Europe, Paris or France to get a little different aspect of culture. And then my wife, I would take her back to Africa, just a cultural experience. I would take all my family members to different places. I got five boys and a girl, a beautiful wife. I've been married 19 years. So I would try to take that 24 hours, try to split it up and take everybody someplace. Great choices. The bonus question is M&M's, plain or peanut? Oh, peanut. I have a son that's allergic to peanut, so I wouldn't even be able to eat it at home. I do not like the plain M&M's. I'm a peanut. And actually, for extra credit, give me the peanut butter filled ones. Oh, there you go. All right. I like that. All right. So as we look to close the show, before we end, let us know, what are you doing now? What are you focused on? I am the vice president of business development for the McGinnis Group. Here in Kansas City, we're, a, we're actually a national company, but we're stationed in local. Most of our clients are here locally in Kansas City. We do health benefit packages and 401k and all kinds of benefits for companies from five employees up to as many as you can go. So school districts and healthcare providers and large companies here in Kansas City should definitely look me up. 
sbarber at the mcginnisgroup.com. The only way that everybody who has known me my entire life can get in touch with me is seanbarber59 at yahoo.com. That is a way that for the rest of my life, you can always get a hold of me through my Yahoo email account, no matter what company I'm with, no matter what area of life I'm doing, whether it's here at the McGinnis Group or in ministry or whatever the Lord has for me after that, I will always keep that email with me so I can always be tangible, reachable, and transparent about everything that's going on in my life. Perfect. And we'll be sure to have those in our show notes so people can reach out and connect with you for business stuff or, you know, just to reach out and talk about other opportunities as well. And so one other thing I wanted to talk about. So I'm very intent this year on making sure that I'm doing more to help others, whether it's in my own business, from a branding consulting standpoint, real estate, whatever it is, I'm doing that way. But also on the podcast, I want to make sure I'm leaving people with tangible, actionable things that they can implement in their life too move the ball, and to dominate the game. So last year, I released my latest book called Dominate the Game, How Life Changes When You Show Up. In there, there's a chapter called Manage the Game Clock, which is all about the importance of looking at the 1,440 minutes that you have every single day and planning and doing the right things each day so that you are moving forward, getting those first downs that will hopefully lead to touchdowns. So when you look at the things that you do as part of your daily routine and how you manage your game clock, What are some of the things that you do that you feel are great habits or practices to make sure you stay focused and are moving the ball every day? I can tell you one thing. You can only focus and do the things that you have control over. There are so many things that are going on with your day that are curveballs, the things that you had no idea were going to happen. You can't focus on those things. You have to be able to, and I call it a star technique, stop, think, anticipate, and then react. And sometimes your reaction becomes a response. So you got to know the difference between reacting to circumstances and responding to circumstances. But I start every day with a devotion. I start every day just in my closet. I go through a daily devotion, whether it's simple devotion like this, which is a flip chart that goes through a quick scripture, or it's an actual devotion book that goes through a paragraph. I believe the Lord is connecting everybody together on some form or fashion. I believe that we all are here for a purpose to helping others. And so I really get myself into a really service, servitude. How am I going to serve my coworkers at work? How am I going to serve my neighbors? How am I going to serve my community? And once I'm in that mind frame, reading my devotional just kind of unleashes and unlocks different avenues for me to be impactful during my day. And so when those things, those opportunities come up, I don't think we met each other by accident. I think it was purposeful that we met each other. I'm so glad you asked me to be on your podcast to be able to tell a little bit about my story. And so I start every day with that daily devotion. And then throughout my day, I just continuously be purposeful about the people I meet and treat people kind, courteous, compassionate. You look up Galatians 5.22, it talks about the fruit of the spirits. Those are the things that I kind of prioritize actively displaying in who I am in my every day. I try to do that each and every day. And then at the end of the day, I ask for forgiveness for the things that I did not do right, where I fell short. And then I always, always prioritize myself to drink a gallon of water and get plenty of rest. You need to be hydrated and you need to be restful the previous day to have a successful today. Absolutely. And I like that you brought those two things up because I think we all know the importance of being hydrated, but there's a lot of benefits that people don't really think about and how it ties into high performance and being productive. So, and also on the sleep side, a lot of people think that you got to grind, grind, grind and hustle, hustle, hustle. And if I just get three hours sleep, it's okay. No, your body needs to 
recharge and rest. And people will ask me all the time, do you ever sleep? And I'm like, yes, I consistently get six, seven, eight hours because I need to have that recharging. And I just make sure that during the other hours of that game clock, then I'm being very productive so that I can get that much sleep. You got the priority straight. You got the parameters straight. Now we just need these listeners to actually do it, right? We need them to be consistent. And I think if there's anything I learned from football is how to be consistent about my day-to-day, the structure that goes into your scheduling as a college football player, as a pro football player, each minute of every day is kind of mapped out for you. And it creates this discipline you have. And I think some players, they struggle with transition because they lose that discipline and they don't know how to create it themselves. And so the one thing about transitioning out of NFL that I think made me successful in the business world is I I taught myself very early how to create that same discipline about my day-to-day and about my devotion and about hydration, about my rest, about the things that I know is going to affect my performance the next day. So we definitely want to get on the top of the mountain and shout as loud as we need to shout. Proper hydration, proper rest, and then have some time to yourself to really get your priorities in order. Completely agree. Well, Sean, thank you so much for being on the show today. I've really enjoyed chatting with you. Thank you for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening to today's episode. If you haven't already done so, I said this earlier on the show, make sure you hit that follow button so that you continue to follow the podcast and you never miss a future episode. And also share the show with a few friends too. It's one way that you can help me to move the ball. All right, everyone. Thanks again for listening and we will catch you next time. Until then, make sure that you suit up, you show up, and you move the ball. Thanks for listening to Move the Ball, everybody. If you are inspired by this episode, can you do me a favor and let me know? Go to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. And also, share the show with a few friends, too. Next, I want you to go to getinsidethehuddle.com and join our email list. This will give you priority access to tips and strategies that will help you get more done today. Not tomorrow, not next week, today. You got that? Okay, until next time.